Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. And again, as it has been recently on at times, it's a two-man show. And joining me this week is Vito Doria. Vito, thanks for being so reliable and welcome back. No worries, Connor. I really enjoy doing these podcasts. So regardless of the results, I still enjoy the whole culture discussion so forth with you. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, results weren't too bad this week, actually. We've had... We've definitely had worse weeks for our own respective teams, but one team who it didn't go too well for this week, as is becoming a bit of a theme recently, is Inter. They drew 1-1 at home to Crotone, which I want to say nobody saw it coming, but given their recent form, it wasn't too much of a surprise. It's probably a good thing that Nicholas Carroll can't join us this week because he would be insufferably upset. But Vito, what did you make of this? Again, it was another disappointing result for the Nerazzurri, but I think it goes to show that their wingers are really out of form. Kandreva and Perisic have been a liability for the Nerazzurri in the last month or two. So I read in yesterday, well, still um, Monday in Europe, so in the Monday edition of La Gazzetta dello Sport, I've seen that uh, Spalletti might ditch the 4-2-3-1, and I think that would be the right move. Again, Inter going forward looked very predictable and without Icardi, they just lacked uh, that reference point in attack. Edda got the goal with a header and it took a deflection too, but he's no Maru Icardi and I know that because they both played for Sampdoria in 2012-2013. Rafinha, the Brazilian from Barcelona, was decent when he came on and he had a chance to win the game and there were a few other chances that Inter could have put away to win the game, but I think Crotone also deserved credit for stifling them and also showing some confidence when they had the ball as well. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say that Adair is no matter of Carthy, but there are a few strikers around Europe at the moment that could even compare to him. I saw a lot of, well, not a lot, but more than I would have anticipated Interfans online going all in on the hashtag Spalletti out, which for me is absolutely insane because, yes, they've been struggling of late and they haven't won since, what, the 3rd of December, which is ridiculous, but they are somehow still in the top four. And I do think it's far too soon for Inter to be considering a change of coach, given how things have gone recently there. I don't think we need Nick on this week to know what his feelings on Inter sacking another coach would be. But what what do you think? Is it far too soon for Inter fans to be wanting Spalletti gone? Or do you think he's had his chance and he's wasted it? I reckon it would be very wrong to sack Spalletti now or even at the end of this season. I think he needs another year, maybe another two years. The real problem is Piero Osilio, the sporting director. He does not understand that you need playmakers, you need creativity. It's good to defend, but to create goals, Mauro Icardi can't do it himself and Eda can't do it himself. He needs to find better wingers in Kandreva and Perisic, and he needs to find a proper trequatista. They were restricted by financial fair play, so they couldn't get Enric Mkhitaryan, and they couldn't get Javier Pastore. But in the summer, they got to offload more of these workhorse midfielders or central midfielders, and also do as much as they can to buy an attacking midfielder. That's what they need. They need the spark in the midfield, someone who's going to dribble, beat a few players, provide some X-factor. Piero Auxilio does not understand that. And if it was up to me, he's the first person that has to go. It's not always about the coaches. And sometimes it's not always about the players. The directors have to be held to account too. And sometimes even the presidents. But in this case, sporting director has to go. I would agree with that. And it's probably fair to say that Spalletti is kind of suffering because of his own overachievements in the earlier part of the season because with that squad there's no way they realistically should have been competing for the title and for the first what 19 games or so it looked like they actually had a chance of challenging with Juve and Napoli but the squad has just proven too thin and they've been so over-reliant on Mario Icardi and Ivan Perisic who Perisic is struggling now and he struggled massively without Icardi but I think Spalletti deserves a lot more time like you one at least, if not two more years there, because there is a lot of crap in that squad. Um, we see Andrea Ranocchia still getting paid by Inter to show up and do a job when, when Spalletti selects him, which is ridiculous because he's nowhere near the standard of a team that should be competing for the Champions League places. Probably not even a team that should be trying to get into the Europa League, if we're going to be fair. He got relegated with a team from the Premier League last season. and That's probably more his level. So to see him go back there is insane. But I don't know. I, I do think you've hit the nail on the head there, really, by saying that Inter's problems go beyond what's going on on the pitch because there is not really that much that Spalletti can do with the players at his disposal. But what, even Perisic then, he has dipped in form of late. And I know Icardi hasn't been there for a couple of games, but what do you put his dip in form down to? Is he just tired and almost sick of being the only creative player that they've had in their squad for the season. Unfortunately, since he's been at Inter, I think he's just horribly inconsistent. He's just too hot and cold. On his day, he's absolutely sensational. He's a great dribbler. 
He's great at passing the ball, creating chances for teammates, and he can be a match winner too. But um, for Inter fans and even for the neutral, he doesn't do it often enough. And someone needs to give him either a real you know, pep talk or a real kick in the backside to say, we don't like this patchiness, Ivan. You've got to wake up. We need you doing this every week. Get involved. You can win games for us. Not just one or two, not just four or five. We need you performing consistently. So, all right, maybe it's a self-belief issue or maybe he's not disciplined enough. Um, I don't, I'm not in the inner sanctum of the club or in the locker room, so I don't know for certain. But from the outside looking in, it's just the patchiness of his form that's impacting him and the club. Yeah, well, somehow, as I said earlier, Inter are still in those Champions League positions and they're clinging on to fourth place for dear life at the moment because it doesn't seem like either of the Roman clubs really want to get into that into that top four at the moment. But Roma did actually win at the weekend. They didn't make light work of it. They struggled to a 1-0 win away at Verona, having scored in the first minute. Vito, I'll confess I didn't see this. Um, I understand you watched it. So do you want to fill me in on what happened here? Well, for the duration of the game, I thought Roma were very wasteful. The first 15 or 20 minutes in particular, I thought they played some excellent football because they were moving the ball fast and they were combining well. They were finding each other, creating spaces. It was like Di Francesco returned back to his then examine principles. And that was uh, interesting to see. The problem with Roma this season and not just in this game in particular is they're far too wasteful. And again, Eden Dzeko was a disappointment. He should have scored three or four goals, but, yeah, he just couldn't put his chances away and his shooting and decision-making was poor. Nicholas had a decent game in the Verona goal, but I reckon Roma should have been much better with the shooting and that probably stopped them from having a good 5 or 6 nil win because Verona only really came to play in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, so it, it seems like... The scoreline was quite deceptive there then, and it was a more comfortable victory mm. than that suggests. Um, I'll have to bow to your superior knowledge on that one, as I said, because I haven't seen it. But <laughs> um, Lazio played tonight. They won 2-1. Or no, they lost 2-1, sorry. And Sadly. Yeah, sadly for everyone except for Roma and Inter, I think, because they've looked impressive this season. But in the absence of Ciro Mobile. They struggled and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic was out tonight and they struggled again. One thing we've been very eager to do on this podcast over the last 12 months or so is praise how much of a tight-knit team they are. But they have struggled in the absence of some of their big players. So are they that much of a brilliant unit or are they still reliant on these two or three big names to get them the wins? And then when they're missing, they do come up short. A concern for them is that they do have a tendency to rely on some key personnel, but there have been other games in which the scoring load has been shared. So um, the problem in this particular game, though, wasn't so much the dependency of one or two individuals, but the way Genoa played, to be honest, I think it stifled Lazio and Lazio weren't able to play the usual game. Uh, usually Lazio defend deep and then break quickly on the counter-attack, whereas this time they had to build up possession and they looked a bit slower than usual, to be honest. So um, Genoa 
provided um, some, you know, counter-attacking prowess. And <laughs> Peter, yeah, I can hear the pain very... in your voice as you try and compliment oh, I know. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was also down to Lazio being very open in defence. I thought the defending on the goals was poor, to be honest. And the scary thing is that one goal was disallowed because of VAR. So, yeah, if that goal somehow stood... I mean, general winning 3-1 in Rome is uh, not something I like to talk in great deal about. No, I won't make you suffer through that for too much longer. I did actually feel bad for Genoa, and I'm kind of sick of them at times. So, But they did score a valid goal, and it was ruled out through very harshly through VAR. And I was quite happy for Diego Laxalt because he went up and pretty much scored as if to write off the disallowed goal. But we've had a comment. Stephen Canny is suggesting that we should do a betting podcast on Italian football, uh, going through great bets, even putting five euro accumulators on to make things interesting. I'm more than happy to do that if we manage to secure a betting partner. So if you're listening out there and you're involved in any betting company, get in touch. And Nick says every week Vito should have to say something positive about Genoa. Vito, I do not agree with that suggestion because it hurt me to listen to you trying to compliment them there. It hurts, especially when they disrespect the Dory family. Cannot, <laughs> cannot praise people like that. Not a chance. No, I, I agree completely, Vito. We're getting a lot of comments in. I, I'm sorry I've missed a few. Jax is here. Jax, welcome. He's happy that Lazio lost. Unfortunate about Inter's result, obviously. And yeah, Walter Zenga getting some compliments for the job he's doing at Grittone. I think it's probably time to move on to Milan because, Vito, I'm going to put the question to you. When do you think the last time that Milan won four games in a row in Serie A was? When the Legri was the coach? It was April 2014, which is right. staggering. And Seidorf. I know, yeah, I think it was Seidorf. And I, I know there's... They've been very bad since, what, 2013. But mm. to go four years without putting together four straight wins mm. is astonishing. Because let's be honest, there has been a lot of absolute rubbish in Serie A in that time. And Milan haven't been able to put together four wins in a row. And that evaded them again this weekend. When they went to Udine, they went 1-0 up and they couldn't see the game out. I think this is a slip-up because, as I said, they were 1-0 up against Udinese. They went down to 10 men and threw the game away. A Milan fan wasn't happy with me suggesting that on Twitter. What do you think? Am I being harsh on them? Or was it quite a decent result? Based on recent form, it wasn't too bad for them to get a point. But knowing the reputation and what's at stake for them, uh, it's still two points lost. The real problem was when Davide Calabria got sent off because that changed the momentum of the game. Milan looked reasonably in control until then, and although Udinese had their own chances to score before that, I still felt Milan would have been able to get the three points. After that red card, it changed the momentum, and Udinese really came to life. They were bombarding the Rossoneri, and we saw the best and the worst of Gianluigi Donnarumma as well. He made about two or three superb saves and then came that own goal, although Leonardo Bonucci deflected the ball before it went past or before Donnarumma got a touch. So 
yeah, it's very unfortunate that it happened that way. So um, it would have been good if Calabria wasn't uh, so naive to make the tackle that he did and perhaps uh, Milan still would have got away with a 1-0 win or they could have added to the score. But unfortunately, sometimes out of inexperience, players make those mistakes. Yeah, it was blatantly just inexperience, wasn't it? It's not like he did anything malicious. He was just a little bit silly. And I think Gattuso even said as much afterwards. But I I don't know. I think you might be being a little bit generous to Milan because the, the goal they did score was insane. It was hit from about 40 yards or 30 yards from Suso. And other than that, I do think they relied on Gianluigi Donnarumma, as you said. And I honestly felt really bad for him. Mm. When Udinese got that goal, I did laugh, I will admit, because it was comical. But yeah. you've got the feel for Donnarumma because only a couple of minutes, if even that earlier, he made a great save to keep them ahead. But I don't know, what did you make of this then? Suso came out afterwards and said that Milan are a much better team under Gattuso, which I suppose results would suggest that there's something to that. Is that a needless dig at Vincenzo Montella or... Is there some substance to what he's saying? At the moment, it seems that for the last few weeks, he has been uh, turning things around, and there still seems to be a stigma around him that, you know, he's just this motivator and he'll only teach the team to work hard. But I do see a bit more intensity and better link-up play than what we saw under Montella. For me, the test would be in the Europa League if they can string a good run in that competition because under Montella, they were scoring quite freely. Mind you, they didn't use Nikola Kalinic. They had Andre Silva and Patrick Cutrone up front and they were scoring goals. But uh, we'll have to see what happens if uh, Gattuso can, you know, do something in the Europa League and also find a way to build on this form in the league because, again, possession-wise, I don't think that's much of a problem, but the finishing is a concern. They can't rely on Suso to produce a piece of magic like he did in the Udinese game. There needs to be more contributors. Yeah, I would agree. One thing that I thought was really interesting what Suso said was he drew comparisons between Gattuso and Giampiero Gasparini. He said that they're very similar coaches. And Suso, of course, worked with Gasp at Genoa, so he would know what he's talking about. He said they're very similar coaches and they build a team based on the players they have, which sounds so simplistic, but a lot of coaches don't do that. They have this idea of how they want to play and they force their players to play it, whether or not that actually suits the players they have. But Gattuso, to his credit, has done exactly what Casparini does and it's working so far. So that's not a comparison I would have drawn given Gattuso's career so far, but it's definitely something that's interesting to see because He's never had this quality of player to work with before, so he might actually be worth keeping on at Milan, which is not something I'd have thought I said I'd hear myself saying a couple of months ago. Um, Vito, do you think he is the right man to bring them forward, or is he still just a stopgap until the end of the season and then see if Antonio Conte will take the job? He has to make AC Milan qualify for the Europa League at least, or if he can miraculously get them in the Champions League, then I can see some merits in keeping Gattuso in the role. Uh, Last week, I did read an article about Milan keeping him on and trying to make him into another 
Antonio Conte type figure like Conte was at Juventus, again, labelled as a motivator and a coach that prides himself on hard work, but he managed to get that Juve team working hard and they've had a good run winning the last six titles and he won the first three, so pardon me. So maybe Gattuso could create that similar effect, but based on what we've seen, I think uh, the Conte and Gattuso comparisons aren't really fitting for the time being. Again, I just go the cliched one at a time, you know, take it every week as it comes. Yeah, I'm finding it hard to disagree with that. Nick is piping up in the comments. Nick, if you want to have your opinion heard, you should actually come on the podcast instead of giving out about being too tired. Uh, yeah, Hamza and Phil are active in the comments. Phil is crying because Inter drew again, but he also says he thinks Gattuso is doing a good job for now at least, which, yeah, hard to disagree with that. Hamza says he doesn't think Gattuso is like Gasparini. And Gasp is a tactician Gattuso is not, which I would have agreed with two months ago, but maybe Gattuso, as Suso highlighted, is starting to prove us wrong. Biggest result of the weekend well, if not the most surprising, it was the biggest scoreline was Juventus 7, Sassuolo 0. Gonzalo Aguin, the only surprising thing in this game was that it was Gonzalo Aguin's first hat-trick for the Biancaneri. What did you think of this? It, business as usual, except for it wasn't a, an ugly 2-0 win. They actually smashed them. Or was there something more to this? Well, this is what I want to see from Juventus. In other leagues, Barcelona... Bayern Munich, they win big. Manchester City, they win big. Juve, scrappy 1-0 defeats. They make me sick. Juventus has the team to thrash Sassuolo 7-0 and other teams by this margin. So uh, good on the Bianconeri and on Max Allegri for actually going for the kill. Sassuolo do not look like the same team they were under Eusebio Di Francesco. So this is really a reflection of the two squads and also the comparisons between... Max Allegri and Beppe Iacchini as coaches. So and if we have to talk about individuals, well, Kadira got two goals in the first half, then Higuain with a hat-trick, but it really could have been more than 7-0 because Higuain could have added another two. Uh, your favourite player, Bernardeschi, could have scored three if he knew how to shoot. <laughs> Mind you, he provided two assists for Higuain, so bit of credit there. And you know, If he knew how to shoot is a key phrase there. And if Juve score seven goals and one of their attacking wingers doesn't contribute at least two assists, there's something wrong. So I'm yeah. refusing to give him credit for that one. Yeah. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. He didn't do too bad, but of course, much more room for improvement on his side. And the other bit I was going to mention, one of the assists for the Higuain hat-trick came from a long pass from Claudio Marchisio. And you can tell that it's a pretty easy game when Marchisio is pulling off at least three back heels. <laughs> Marchisio looked like Andrea Pirlo with that pass. And I, oh, I saw yeah. a couple of videos going around on Twitter and Facebook praising him for it. But my first thought was exactly what you said there. It was, what are Sassuolo doing to make Marchisio capable of pulling off these passes? Um, do, do you want to talk for too much longer about Juventus? Because they're a bit boring, aren't they? They just win all the time. Well, I've pretty much covered my main points with Juventus, but I just feel a bit sad about Sassuolo declining like this. In the short time in Serie A, they provided some positive memories. And 
like I said, since Di Francesco's gone, they don't look like they've got much direction or purpose. They've look, they look like now that they're becoming just another provincial club instead of a team that punches above their weight and exceeds expectations. So mm. we'll see what happens if they survive or not. But if they do survive, I reckon they need someone who's more tactically shrewd than Beppe Iacchini. Yeah, they are sinking, really, aren't they? And the, the clock does seem to be ticking on their time in Serie A since Di Francesco left. At the moment, they're, what, 16th, five points off the drop. But Spal and Benevento are going to put together miraculous runs and survive. So, as it looks, Crotone and Sassuolo are going to get relegated as a result. Um, obviously, that probably won't happen. See, I'm Fox is back. It's good to see you after you were completely bullied in the comments last week. And he says Bernardeschi is a traitor, spoiled brat. F him. Ooh. Agree with the sure sentiment. A little bit harsh, CM Fox. Yeah. Tone it down a bit. Um, Benevento nil, Napoli two. Napoli were quite slow to begin with here, but in the end, it was an easy enough win. Benevento, should we give them some credit for the way they started here? They actually came they out did. and tried to beat Napoli. They do deserve credit, and it's a major improvement on the 6-0 that they had early in the season. So with the new signings and, of course, Roberto De Zerbi coaching the side instead of Marco Baroni, uh, they do look a bit more promising. And maybe with some of the signings they've had in the January transfer window, maybe they can pull off some miraculous results. But, um, again, in the long term, I'm not expecting too much for them. But on the basis of this game... Um, it wasn't necessarily a case of them really parking the bus. I thought there were a few chances where they could have got maybe a goal or two. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, I did think um, 
Dries Martins and Lorenzo Insigne. This is nothing new, but they are an absolute joy when they're on their best form. We saw Insigne try a chip shot from the edge of the box that wasn't on, and it came off the crossbar and out. And then Dries Martins, not too long after, did another chip shot that didn't look like it was possible, and it just dipped into the far corner. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, but one thing, it raised itself again this weekend, and it raised itself after every Napoli win. That's probably my favourite thing about any given Serie A round is the Super Sari Bros videos that come up on Facebook and Twitter. If you haven't seen them, go over to whatever my Twitter or Facebook. I think I've shared them on both. So get a look at those because they really are very enjoyable. Um, the Napoli points stat I have down on the running order, which is at the moment, Napoli are on track to pick up 99 points in Serie A. They're averaging like 2.6 points per game or something. Have they got it in the tank to see this through and smash a couple of records in the process of winning the Scudetto? I think it's a possibility, and I reckon it's because of the players that could be returning from injury soon. Um, after the Benevento game, there was a bit of concern that Mertens might have an ankle problem, but Marek Hamsik said after the match that it might just be a minor thing and it can be shrugged off. But if they can get uh, Arik Milik back and also Fauzi Gulam back into the squad as well, I think that would be really beneficial for the Scudetto hopes. I'm slightly concerned about this coming week. If I'm honest, Juve go away to Fiorentina, who, as we see, are capable of getting smashed by Verona. So Juventus will obviously win that. And Napoli play Lazio at home. And I have a real concern that this is the week that Juventus get their noses in front and I've kind of thought all along that once Juve do get in front that's that they won't slip it up from there mm-hmm. do you think we'll look ahead to this weekend's games I guess and do you think that Napoli can do a job against Lazio they smashed them 4-1 in Rome so uh, based on that I reckon Napoli should be able to beat the Bianco Celesti at home as well just looking through the comments there sorry I got distracted um, oh, Jax is getting a bit of abuse, I think, because Inter don't win ever. Uh, Hamza says Napoli will win the Scudetto. I hope so. Me and, too. Uh, yeah, I think there's just an Inter fight happening. Phil says at least we can't call Inter inconsistent. No, to the credit, they are brilliantly consistent, just not consistently brilliant. Nick, I'm sure you're disappointed about that. But to be fair to Nick, actually, he did call this Inter crisis. Maybe not to this extremity but he didn't think they were going to be able to sustain their form uh, right the rest of the fixtures then Vito shout if you want to discuss any of these Cagliari beat Spal 2-0 Bologna lost at home to Fiorentina 2-1 um, Samp Torino one each did you see this one I only saw bits of the highlights to be honest because obviously the game Australian time was four in the morning, and once I saw the result, I just got feedback from my father, and he said that Torino actually were in good control of the game, and uh, Emiliano Viviano had an excellent game. Probably the main positive from Samp was Torreira adds to his goal tally with a nice free kick, well-worked one in which uh, Sirigud got distracted, so that was good, but again, it would have been nice to capitalise on that win against Roma. I think, hang on, sorry, 
we've got a, Hamza wants us to talk about Conte. Hamza, tell us what you want us to discuss about Conte, and we will discuss it. Um, that's a bit vague, but yeah, no. Sam Sam's result was made me very happy because Atalanta then beat Kievo one 0 So I think Atalanta are now two points behind Sam, and they play each other next month. So that's going to be interesting. But Atalanta's run of fixtures between now and then is absolutely horrendous. They play Juve twice, um, Fiorentina. Dortmund twice. It's it's just a terrible run, and I'd be surprised if there's two points in it by the time they mm. actually play each other. I think Sam might have a bit of a cushion. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what else we have to discuss in Serie A. Um, I don't really want to go into Atalanta because people don't like when I talk about Atalanta. So I'll wait for Hamza to get a question in. But until then, Serie B, Vito, it's, it's interesting then there again, isn't it? Not that it ever wasn't, but... There was a big game at the top of the table. Empoli played Palermo and Empoli won 4-0, which raised a few eyebrows on, in FIFHQ anyway. Uh, what did you think of this? Parma lost to Brescia as well, which is a surprising result. Keep us, Bring us up to date with the latest in Serie B. Well, as you just mentioned, the Empoli got a comprehensive win and that will be decisive for the automatic promotion spots Palermo has been playing very well under Bruno Tedino, but Empoli just smashed them. And I reckon it's a very good thing for Empoli to keep on this winning way under new coach Aurelio Andreazzoli. And Frosinone are still on top. They bet Zdenek examines Pescara 3-0. So it looks like Frosinone and Empoli are fighting it out for top spot. Fabio Grosso and his Bari team haven't been doing well lately. They lost... 4-0 to Empoli themselves last week, and they lost 3-1 to Pippo Inzaghi's Venezia. So another interesting result. Cremonese, they were another promotion hopeful. They lost uh, 3-2 at home to Provercelli, who've been battling for relegation. And another interesting fixture was Ternana losing 4-3 weight to Cesena. They sacked their coach Sandro Pocchesci, and they still could not get a win. And uh, Cesena, well... They had a player called Schiavone who provided two assists and got the winner. So maybe he's a distant relative of our editor-in-chief, Dob Schiavone. So <laughs> might be a good thing in the Schiavone world. I'm sure even if he's not, the Dob will try and claim some sort of relation there. Um, I'm looking at the table now and it's still brilliant because first and third are only split by three points. Uh, Frosinone, Empoli and Palermo are the top three in that order and then from fourth down to 14th there's only nine points so though the race for those playoff places is still very much open and as we know in Serie B the playoff places are mental and we won't know who's actually in them until the points totals is decided and the differences between each team's points because there could be seven teams in the playoffs or there could be four uh, Jack says Serie B is the best second division in the world. In terms of entertainment, I completely agree with that. But in terms of quality, I strongly disagree, sadly. But I'm going to another Serie B game in a couple of weeks with Luca Gumbi. We're going to see Parma against Venezia. So it's good to see they are both still in the conversation for the playoff places. And hopefully they still are in a couple of weeks when we're there. Because as we can see, it could change so, so quickly. Hamza has gotten back about the Conte thing, by the way. He says, Chelsea are going to sack Conte. Um, and I think that's what he wants us to talk about. I don't really know what to do with that. Uh, Conte will probably be back losses. in Serie A. Go ahead. Mm. 
They've had two bad losses recently in the Premier League. They lost 3-0 to Burnmouth and this and uh, in the Monday night game, they lost 4-1 to Watford and the goals mostly came in the last five or six minutes. So another bad loss for the Blues and again, he's been linked with Serie A jobs, but he's been linked once again with the Azzurri job, which I find surprising considering he was complaining most of the time. So I reckon that's just a wish from the press more than anything. I can't see Conte returning back to the national team. No, I'd be surprised if he did, but I'd be equally as surprised if he wasn't in Serie A somewhere next season as well. Um, I actually watched that Chelsea game while I watched the Lazio game, and I know this isn't the English football podcast, but his post-match interview was interesting. He, he just seemed like he had given up completely. He was angry. He hates Ross Barkley, and it just seemed like he had given up. So I was thinking he could well have been sacked already, and the news will just come out tomorrow morning. I wouldn't be too surprised with the way Chelsea operate and have operated in recent years. Vito, I think we've come to the end. You know when we're talking about Premier League fixtures that we have gone through everything we can on Italian football. So thanks very much for joining me. Let the people know what you've been writing, where you've been writing it, and where they can find you on social media. Well, you can find me on social media through Instagram and Twitter. My handle is Vito C. Doria. Then, of course, my Facebook page at Vito Doria. And... Yeah, read my stuff on Forza Italian Football. Um, I did submit something on Mertens. Not sure if that's up yet. I have to have a look. Otherwise, um, I did write a piece about the provincial clubs in Serie A and um, it's worthwhile to check them out because although they might not have the big names or they're not always challenging the big boys, sometimes they actually play some really good football and you can find some hidden gems uh, Mind you, don't be fooled by the title that was put there <laughs> in the headline. Somehow, Kievo made it, and I did not write about Kievo, but um, Atalanta, Sampdoria, Palace Verona do have their moments. Spal play good football, and some of the other small teams are actually quite good. But, yeah, well, about Kievo, I reckon uh, Maran should just go. They should get a more attack-minded coach, you know, and bring back the days of Del Neri and Beppe Pilon. At least they were competitive. But, you know, that's a debate for another day. I'm going to let you, because I don't think you know this, I'm going to let you and the listeners and readers in behind the curtain here. Because before I had even got the chance to edit your article last week, it had already been tweaked by someone who has editorial powers at FIF and someone who was a fan of Chievo, and that title had been put on it. So I just left it. I just left the title yeah. as it was. And I'm sure you can put two and two together and work oh, out who is the person responsible yes. for that title. So you know mm. who to message your angry messages to. Uh, <laughs> it says that they're going to win the Europa League. I agree. And I'm going to that Dortmund game, so they're going to smash them. Um, yeah, hopefully Caldara has... Um... Uh, Batshuayi in his back pocket. I really hope so. Oh, easy. Caldara could put anyone in his back pocket and it wouldn't be a problem. And Papu is going to rediscover his form and run rings around everyone. Jax is getting optimistic. He's saying that this time next week we'll be celebrating an Inter win. They play Bologna at home. So they've every chance, I guess, but we would have said that ahead of a game against Crotone at home too. And that didn't happen. They they haven't even beaten Pordenone in this run. (laughs) For Christ's sake. 
they're not going to beat Bologna, Jax. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But we there are going to be some changes, actually, to the pod going forward. But they're all good changes, people. So don't be sad. Be happy. And we will announce that officially when it is confirmed, which should be sooner rather than later, probably by next week if things fall into place. Um, Vito's given a social media roundup. You can get me on Twitter at Conjay Clancy. I'm on Instagram, that handle as well. And I've got a Facebook page, which you can find by looking up my name. You can follow us at Serie FFC on Twitter, Forza Italian Football on Facebook and Instagram, which we don't use. And yeah, listen to the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, Acast, subscribe on YouTube, give us money on patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. And read everything on ForzaItalianFootball.com. And the stuff Vito's been doing lately has been brilliant. And he will have another piece up tomorrow morning by the time you all wake up. So, Vito, I think I've run out of things to say at long last. So, thank you very much for joining me. And thank you, everyone in the comments, for joining us, except for Nick Carroll. And we will be back next week, time and date to be confirmed. But for now, take it as it being next Monday night. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 